what's one thing that went right this year? What's one thing that went right this year? Just one thing. You can do that. One thing that just, yeah, we killed it with this. This was awesome. You got one thing? One thing? All right, turn and tell your neighbor, especially if you don't know them. Uh, if the one thing that you thought of was like so incredibly personal that you can't share it, then you just say, I'll take a personal pass. But don't do that just because you don't like to talk to people. Jesus will know <laughs> if you do that. So turn to somebody and say, well, here's something that went really right this year. I see, a lot of, I see a lot of smiles. I see some rightness out there. Oh, yeah, that's not right. All right, make sure the other person shares if he or she hasn't gotten the opportunity. Something that went right this year. <clears throat> went right. All right, wrap it up, wrap it up. Let's not get carried away. Don't brag. Don't brag. Don't get cocky. All right, all right. Good job. Good job. Give yourself a hand. Well done. You broke through social barriers. Uh, you said something in faith in all likelihood. Nice job. How many of you said, well, I made it till the end of the year? For how many of you was that the right thing? Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Uh, I had a dream uh, this past week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I dream a fair bit. I think the Lord speaks to me in my dreams a fair bit. Uh, over the years, I've learned to pay attention to them and to interpret them pretty well. Uh, this was one of those dreams that was hard to mistake, though, if you've ever had those. Um, in the dream, um, I, uh, I had gotten up uh, in the morning and was immediately confronted with all of these crisis situations. You know, I won't even bother to go through them, but like, you know, so-and-so was sick, this needed to get done, so-and-so had died. I mean, like, serious crisis situations. And in the dream, somehow I was able to run to every situation and kind of confront it. You know, I was laying on hands to heal, I was giving orders, I was commanding resurrection from the dead, I was doing all that in my dream, and it seemed very real, even though the, the intensity of the dream was a little bit outlandish. And, and the realest part of the dream, as is often the case, was the emotion that I was feeling in the midst of the dream. I mean, I was like commanding healing and 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 commanding resurrection and the breath of life to come, and I was doing all that with, with a feeling of just desperation and love and, and heartbreak, and, and I, was, I was kind of crying for faith uh, in the midst of the dream. And while this was going on in the dream, it was like this little pop-up window opened, and I saw you know, faces and symbols that even in the midst of the dream, I recognized as representing different things that I had on my 2019 calendar. Different uh, ministry travels that I would need to take, 
uh, conferences at which I would speak, countries uh, that I'm scheduled to travel to this year, situations that I needed to address. It was like, a, it was like this powerful prophetic to-do list popping up in my dream while I was like trying to resurrect this person. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. It was like that. So you get the character of the dream, right? It was like, man, I got some serious stuff to handle uh, in 2019 and some desperate things to take care of in 2019. And it wasn't like this was a cerebral exercise with me. My heart was just about to burst that's what it felt like in the dream. And then I woke up, of course, you know, right at the most intense moment in the dream. I, I, I wake up and I, and I push myself up my mattress and I was literally gasping for breath um, uh, when I woke up. So one of those dreams that's hard to miss uh, when you have, I did not need my dream journal uh, for this one. It was like, oh man, oh man. Uh, clearly, um, you know, this was spiritual. You know, the Lord is, is speaking to me about this. And I've been um, interpreting dreams for so many years now that when, when I have a dream that, that my mind recognizes as prophetic, while I'm having the dream, I often begin to interpret it in the dream. And so oftentimes, like when I wake up, in the moment I wake up, I automatically know what it means. And often when I wake up, I'm already praying. There's some prayer on my lips. It's just, it's just habit at this point. It's probably a good habit. It saves me a lot of time. Um, and then I can go back to sleep. Um, when I wake up, I immediately, before I even thought about it, this prayer was out of my mouth as I was gasping. It was, oh, Lord, give me the faith that I need to do what I need to do. You know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a prayer for deliverance from all of these things that were going to face me. It was a prayer for the faith to be the man I needed to be in the moments of challenge. It was a good prayer? It was okay? Wise prayer? What do you think? As prayer goes, happy to have me as senior pastor. <laughs> Jury is still out. I mean, where, where are we? Is it okay? Um... Well, I mean, it was an honest prayer, uh, if nothing else. And it is a prayer that has informed my prayer um, this week. It's like, man, you know, as I enter 2019 and as a wrap-up 2018, I, as is often the case, I feel like what I need is, is more faith in me. You know, it's like I have a lot of circumstances that I really want to see changed, but I'm old enough and wise enough now to know that it's me <laughs> that probably needs to change first, you know? And, and my circumstances in 2019, I have a feeling, will be such that the best of me will be required on occasion. Think that's true for you? And so going into 2019, I'm, I'm praying for the best of me. I'm certainly praying that the Lord grows me in the areas in which I, I, I really need to be grown. I would like to have enough faith to pull off the miracles that I need to pull off. I'm, I'm pretty sure I will have occasion uh, for a little miracle working. 
succeed or fail. I'll bet I'll be, I bet I'd be called, called to try, if nothing else. And, and one thing I can say about myself, whatever my faith is, I'm pretty good at trying things. I'm pretty good at trying things. And I think a lot of Blue Waters can say the same sort of thing. Have you ever felt in life, man, it would be great to have some adventures? Anybody feel like, oh, dear God, do not afflict me with any adventures? And we're, sort of, we're sort of split on that. Uh, God, it would be great to get a promotion this year. It would be great to play in the big arenas of life. Anybody feel like that? Your heart yearning for that? You guys suck. <laughs> got no ambition whatsoever, none of you. You just know better than to answer my questions. That's what it is. That's what it is. I think it's, it's fantastic to have adventures in life. I think it's fantastic to have dramas in life. I mean, that's kind of the point, right? You want significant things to be happening. And in some way, shape, or form, that's going to mean intimidating things or desperate things, you know, because important things all have consequence uh, to them. And that's a great life to have if you're able to have it, right? Because you, you don't want to be playing in the big leagues. You don't want to step to the plate in the major leagues and not even know how to hold the bat. <laughs> have no chance to hit the ball because then it's just major league failure, and who wants that? That's not what we crave. We crave, well, we crave a fighting chance, I suppose, you know, to actually be able to engage at the level uh, in which uh, we're called to engage. And, you know, I've learned that in life, and, and this dream that I had this past week really made me feel urgent about it, as, as you might expect. You know, I was like, man, I got to light a fire here. I got to... I got to get things burning. Um, life is, is often urgent, you know, so we want to we wanna be strong and able when, when the challenge comes. Gosh, you know, before Jesus started his, his big show, before he started his public ministry, he prepared. He went out into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and was tempted and got in ministry and, and faced down the devil and, and came back in power. Uh, what do I need to do uh, to have the faith uh, that is required of me? Hey, Mitch, could you hand me that program? I forgot. So our scripture today uh, is along those lines. It comes from uh, Luke chapter 17. You'll find it uh, in your program. and It'll also be up here on, on the big board. It's a prayer, a request uh, from the apostles uh, to Jesus, and it's a request that might sound a little, a little familiar Picking it up, Luke 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. They're about midway, midway through ministry life with Jesus. And, uh, and they've kind of arrived at that, at that moment where you say to the Lord, oh, God, give me more faith. Increase our faith. We have a feeling we're going to need more faith than we have. And, and Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Hmm. And then he goes on. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing 
or looking after the sheep. He will say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat. Excuse me, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. What does that mean exactly? What's going on here? They, they begin by asking for more faith, and it ends by, by Jesus uh, giving them a little lecture on uh, doing their duty. How is the one the answer to the other? As is often the case with the Jesus teachings, when I read them in the first moment, I go, hmm. Everybody go, hmm. Because it bugs me a little bit. It bugs me. The apostles say what is, this, you know, a, a great prayer. Hey, increase our faith. What could be a better prayer than that? And Jesus says, uh, well, if you had just a little faith, you could command great miracles. And incidentally, uh, just do your duty. It feels almost like a reprimand. But there's probably more to it than that because this is Jesus and he's always got something else uh, going on. Have you noticed that in interactions with Jesus in the Bible, he rarely answers the question asked? Instead, he always goes to the issue behind the question or the issue behind the prayer uh, that was prayed. And, and I think, I think he's, he's doing it here. And it makes me wonder, well, okay, what's going on in the apostle's mind uh, that, that he should do this? And so what I do is that I skip back a little bit and I try to read the context of the story. If you're interested, uh, here are the several verses that precede this story in the Gospel of Luke. Good Bible study technique, by the way. If you're puzzled by something, read what's going on around the passage in the Bible. So beginning at, at verse 1 of chapter 17. Jesus said to his disciples, now notice here he's talking to his disciples. Later on in the story, he's interacting with just the apostles, just the, like the 12. Here he's talking to his whole crowd of followers. He says, <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves, guys. Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And then if they repent, forgive them. Easy. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> something, something that Jesus was saying, something that he was instigating there with those teachings are, are what provoked the disciples to think that, hey, we need, we need more faith. So this is, this is what I think is going on in the passage. Uh, the apostles have been walking with Jesus for uh, a good while now, probably, uh, probably well over a year at this point, kind of depending on how you figure it. And they've seen... They've seen a lot of great miracles. They've seen a lot of change. They've seen uh, a little revolution uh, get started. Uh, they've performed a number of miracles. They've done a lot of ministry, a lot of preaching themselves. They've been sent out. They've had adventures. And, and you know, they know that it's a, it's a uh, high-end sort of life that they're, 
their living, traipsing around the countryside, living on donations, sleeping wherever they might. I mean, you know, it's, it's an intense sort of life. And then in the middle of that, Jesus inserts these teachings and says, hey, uh, things that cause people to stumble are bound to happen, but if you're the ones who make people stumble, that's really bad. And that's a stiff thing to say to someone who's already leading a pretty intense life. It's like, man, we're doing the best we can here. I mean, we're like performing, you know, miracles, like the impossible. And in fact, we're living a lifestyle that if you had asked me three years ago, I would have told you is impossible. Somehow we're surviving, you know, and you're like, grace, grace, grace. But now you're telling us that we have to be careful not to make any mistakes that mislead people. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? And now you're warning us that we kind of have to be perfect, it sounds like. You're freaking us out a little bit here, uh, Jesus. Uh, this, is, this is not the pep talk that we need uh, right now. And then he goes on to say, and if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke, you know, rebuke them. You can point it out, but if they say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to change, then you have to forgive them. And even if that goes on seven times a day, even if they hurt you seven times a day, you have to forgive all the time, which, I mean, it sounds very Jesus-y and Bible-y when he says it, but if you were hearing it for the first time, it sounds a little bit like a formula for getting taken advantage of. You know, let people treat you really badly, you have to forgive them every single time. And this is by no means Jesus' most intense teaching on forgiveness. You know, he says crazy things like, love your enemies, bless those who are trying to destroy you. You know, and he throws this teaching at them again, and they're like, oh, come on. We're not allowed to make mistakes that mislead people, and if anybody makes mistakes toward us, we have to forgive them perfectly all the time, just get over it and roll with the punches, and perform the miracles, and preach. You're freaking us out a little bit, I'll tell you what. We're going to be mature about this. Just give us more faith so that we can handle this. Because the miracles I can do, but the emotional and the personal side of it that you're describing, that's exhausting. That's just exhausting. And right now, I mean, you know, it's the end of the year, and we're just kind of tired, and they're not really saying that, but, you know, you can imagine, right, to kind of make this sermon timely. Just imagine. Um, I, I think they're just a little stressed out. And so they respond pretty well and say, well, we're not going to fear then. We're going to try not to fear. Just increase our faith. Just make us better people, dot, dot, dot. Otherwise, we might not be able to handle it. I mean, that's kind of the implicit thing that they're saying, right? It's like, well, that sounds like a tall order. We're with you, but you better really bless us. You really better make us supermen if you expect us to pull that off. I think that's kind of the implied conversation. Are you following so far? Yeah, you think that's right? Kind of get the mood, get the, get the interaction. Um, and so Jesus responds by saying, oh, you want more faith. Well, let me, let me tell you about faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed, and this tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of faith is enough to do a pretty impressive miracle. Like, you know, tell a tree to uproot and throw itself into the sea. That would be impressive. That, that would be a trick if you could do that. 
And I think he chose that miracle because today none of them had even seen Jesus do that. I mean, that was a pretty big deal. It's like, that would be impressive. You command nature itself uh, to obey you like that. How much faith does it do to do a, a miracle that big? A tiny, tiny bit of faith, which means one of two things. It means, you want me to increase your faith? The fact is, you don't even have this much faith because if you did, you'd be commanding trees to go jump off of cliffs. Um, it's probably not what he's saying. He's probably saying that you think you need a lot of faith to do incredible things. Actually, you just need a little bit. You just need a little bit. So if faith, if an increase in faith is not the big issue, well, then what is? And then he tells them this little story about the servant. Um, he says, you know, suppose one of you have a ser has a servant. He's out plowing or he's looking out, at, looking out for the sheep. He's put in a full day's labor, in other words. And then the servant comes in. Well, how does it work for servants? What's the expectation if you're a servant? And, you know, in those days, this wasn't like an eight-hour union wage kind of job, right? If you were somebody's servant, it's probably a word that indicated an indentured servant. Some translations will even translate this slave. I mean, you were attached to a house in servitude, you know, and you worked six days a week, a good 12 hours a day, and you got the Sabbath off. That was kind of the arrangement uh, in this community. So the expectation was extremely hard service if you were a servant in a rich person's house. So if you're in that situation, if you're a servant, and we all know these people, you put in a day's work out in the field, and then you come in, does, does the master say to you, oh, sit down, let me serve you, let me, let me you know, help you out, take it easy. Or does the servant come in from the field, you know, shake the dust off and continue to serve? Which is it? What's the expectation? And of course, the expectation is that a servant is a servant. When a servant comes in, the servant's work isn't done until the needs are taken care of. That's what defines a servant's day. It's not like what the clock says. They didn't have clocks, but, you know, it's like, well, what does the job require? That's, that's the mindset uh, of the servant. Uh, and so Jesus describes that and then at the end says, you know, do your job. Think about the job that you've been given. Now, does this sound like a reprimand or does this sound like a pep talk? Let's vote. Do the job that you've been given. Reprimand? Pep talk, still don't trust you, Jordan. Don't know where you're going with this. What's going on? I think, I think it's meant to be a pep talk. Uh, Jesus was a crusty fellow, and I think this is a, this is a crusty uh, teaching, but it's designed to, to get the, the point uh, across. Uh, I, I, think, I think what he's saying is, you know, the disciples are saying, we have to perform miracles. Gosh, we have to preach. We have to not make mistakes that mislead people. We have to forgive to the point of being trampled on. What do you want from us? What do you want from us? And Jesus' reply, in essence, is, look, don't worry about me increasing your faith. You have enough faith to pull it off. In fact, you have enough faith to command trees to jump off of cliffs. It only takes that much. You have the faith that you need, is what Jesus is implying. I'm not asking you 
anything that you should not expect me to ask you. Right? All I'm asking you is to stay in the game, is to not mislead people, is to forgive people. I've already told you that. Don't freak out. Don't stress out just because you're tired and it seems difficult to you today. This is the job. This is what you've been called to do. Servants pull this sort of thing off all the time. Why? Well, because they have no choice, right? They work a hard day, they come in, and without even thinking about it, they work a hard evening. Is it impossible for them? No. Is it difficult for them? Yeah, sometimes. But how many of you in your life have found that when you have no choice, you've done things that you would have never thought you could do? No. It's, it's the whole philosophy behind having a fitness coach. You know, I go to the gym and, and, I, and I see these guys and, and you know, you get, you get a personal trainer, and the personal trainer teaches you a little bit about you know, how to do a sit-up and how to use the machines and stuff like that. What's the real job of the personal trainer? It's really to kind of dominate your emotions, right? It's to tell you what you can do with authority and confidence so that you do what you've convinced yourself that you cannot do. Basic human interaction. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. It's like, look, if you had no choice, you would do all of this and more. And then you'd go to bed, you'd get up, eat a piece of bread, and do the same dang thing tomorrow. It's just the job. You don't have to be Superman. You just have to be on it. And I think that's the pep talk. Are you following? You have enough faith to pull it off. And the first step to being successful in faith is to realize that you have enough faith. That's the Jesus teaching. It's a heck of a teaching, and it's one that I have to keep going back to uh, in, my, in my life. You know, in short, Jesus is saying, guys, you got this. You got this. What makes you think that you don't got this? Oh no, you got this, you can do this, and more. I have no doubt. I'll never ask you to do something you can't do. Don't think you lack the faith to do what you need to do. And I think that would be a word to anyone here this morning, a word from God to you. Don't for a moment think that you don't have what it takes to do what you know full well you have to do. Don't for a moment think that God has left you short, that he has failed to give you enough faith or enough grace for people who have sinned against you. Don't for a second think that you lack the resources. Because if you think you lack the resources, well, then you kind of lack the resources, right? Because you've sort of pissed them away. But if you have faith that you have faith, well, then you're in the game. That seems to be the Jesus teaching. And he touches on this in other ways at, at, at different times. He does say, guard yourselves. It's like, look, you know, don't, don't mislead people. Don't make it sound easier than it's supposed to sound or anything like that. Guard yourself, but don't doubt yourself. And I think Christians in general uh, would do well to, to take that lesson. 
you know, sometimes we live with this sort of false humility, false morality. Oh, I'm going to be very careful in life, very careful. I might screw up. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And it sounds like humility where what it really is is just doubt, safety, caution, cheating. <laughs> and Jesus said, no, no, you don't guard yourself. I mean, be smart. You know, you're not perfect. You know, everybody stumbles. He begins the teaching by saying that. Nobody's perfect. Guard yourself, but do not doubt that you can do this. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you have to do, don't doubt for a second uh, that you can do it. Guard yourself, don't doubt yourself, because doubt is a different thing. In those times of life that are either like really difficult or savagely intimidating, uh, I think the most useful thing for anyone um, to say to me is something along the lines of, hey, Jordan, you got this. Yeah, man, that's, whew, that's a lot. That is one desperate situation. If anybody can handle it, it's you, man. Even if you have to stretch the truth a little bit, that's okay. It's okay with me. Um, what, what I find really useful uh, when I'm up against it, and when somebody says, oh, no, I think you got this. I think you got this. Oh, God didn't give you more than you can handle. Or if you've known me a long time, I've seen you handle more than that. You know, I've, I've, I've seen the miracles. Uh, I've seen you trust God and get the breakthrough. Sort of appeal to that part of me. Because if you've known me a long time, you know full well that there's another part of me too, right? The catastrophizing, doubting, dark, depressive side of me. Uh, that I talk about fairly frequently. It's all, I took care of that, thank you, man. See, there he is, right there. He's appealing to the good side of me, my buddy Carl. Often uh, when I'm really up against it, well-intentioned people instead will say something to me along the lines of, hey, Jordan, slow down, be careful. Man, whew, you need a break. Um, don't, don't rush into this and mess it up. Um, you, you'd better be humble and call for help. Have you gotten any expert advice? I mean, who do you rally around you at times like this? All of which is kind of good advice depending on, on the situation, but none of which is a substitute for, you got this. You got this. Yeah. You got, you got, you got, the, you got the miracle working faith to handle this. Um, I, I never get tired of hearing that. Or when I'm really up against it, when I'm struggling, very well-intentioned people will kindly point out to me that they've noticed I'm struggling. Oh, really? News to me. Get out of here. Uh, it's like, oh, man, you're not doing well. Um, and sometimes uh, along with that, they will encourage me to find a way to do better. You know, we really need more uh, from you. Uh, I'm the kind of person that people sometimes rely on. And when somebody relies on you, they don't necessarily like to see weakness in you. And so when they see weakness in you, it freaks them out. You know, the scripture says teachers will be judged more harshly. Ohana group leaders will be judged more harshly. Sometimes just good friends will be judged more harshly just because you're the good friend that people are relying on. And so if you show weakness, it freaks people out. And, and they forget to affirm the strength in you and instead just point out the weakness, that can happen sometimes. And they do it with the best intentions, right? With the best heart. It's like, I want to help you with your weakness. 
the first step to that is often to affirm your strength. It's like, you know, you can do it. You can do it. In some way, that's the thing that, that uh, most of us struggle uh, to believe. So in this new year, in 2009, you will almost surely face some things that are either heartbreaking or intimidating, that are desperate or, I don't know, just, just really big. And you will probably have some crises. You will also definitely have some significant opportunities to change the world around you. You might have no control over how the crises come to you. On the other hand, you might have to take control in order to seize the opportunities that float by you. So be it. That's life. That's how it works. Pretty much every year in my experience. Don't expect it to be any other way. And great faith won't protect you from the need to work hard. And great faith won't protect you from trials. You will have them all the time. But even a little faith if you're willing to embrace it and go with it, will see you through the hard work and the trials every single time. I think that's the Jesus teaching. Great faith won't protect you from them, but even a tiny bit of mustard seed faith will get you through them with flying colors. And that, I think, is pretty encouraging if we're willing to go with the faith. In Matthew 17, uh, there's a story of uh, this, this very sick little boy. He has something that looks like epilepsy. It seems to be caused by a demon. And, and the 12 are trying to cast the demon out and heal the boy and relieve him of his suffering. And they actually fail, right? This is one of those occasions where they try to work the miracle and they totally whiff. And then a little while later, Jesus shows up and they go through the whole rigmarole and the crowd is very uh, upset. You know, it's a low faith environment and Jesus takes a few steps and separates the boy from the crowd and, uh, and then interviews the boy's dad, if you know this story. It's one of my favorite power ministry stories. And, and, uh, and uh, Jesus says to uh, the boy's father, you know, how long has he been like this? The boy's father says, a long time, it's very serious. Uh, but if you can do anything, Jesus, please help. And Jesus says, anything is possible for him who believes. And, and then the boy's father cries out one of the all-time great prayers of the Gospels. I believe, help me to overcome my unbelief. You know that prayer, that story? Um, and, um, and then Jesus uh, does the miracle. Uh, afterwards, the disciples corner Jesus and they say, why did we fail? And Jesus says to them, it's because of your unbelief. Some of the translations will say, it's because you had too little faith, but that's actually wrong. It's actually, it's because of your unbelief. The Greek word is apistia, um, which literally means anti-faith. It's not that you lacked faith, it's that you had too much anti-faith. Uh, the problem isn't small faith. The problem is big doubt. Two different things. You get it? Uh, which is why the, the boy's father is so poignant. Oh, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He had it exactly right. You know, it's like, I believe enough. I mean, I brought the boy to you. I believe you can do miracles. The problem is that I also doubt. 
And so instead of, of praying, increase my belief, increase my faith, he prayed, reduce my unbelief, reduce my doubt. Now that, I think, is a pretty wise prayer. And it's a prayer that I think I probably should pray more often than I do. And I, I might recommend it to you if you feel like you're struggling in the faith miracle working sort of department. It's like, well, you probably actually have enough faith, particularly if you've been around Blue Water for a while. I mean, how could you not? Right? You, you probably have enough faith to try, which is a lot of faith, you know. But do you have unbelief? Do you disqualify yourself? Like the apostles, are you sometimes tempted to think that you're not up to the challenge? Because that's a disease. And that's a disease that erodes our soul. Unbelief. Different than belief. Different continuum, almost. Are you following me? Say, yes, I believe you. I do not unbelieve you. Fantastic. You guys, just year end, you haven't missed a beat. You're on it. Uh, faith is a funny thing, you know. It's like you have as much as you trust you have. That's the nature of faith. Um, so that's pretty easy, actually. You know, the trick is just to give yourself to faith. It's not increase my faith. It's no surrender to faith. It's a different thing. You following? Are you willing to go with just faith and nothing else? I think that's, that's the recipe. Uh, for overcoming. Uh, this year, I fully expect to overcome a boatload of crap. Oh, come on. I fully expect. I fully expect a boatload of crap. I fully expect to overcome the boatload of crap. Can I hear an amen? amen. This year, I also expect to, for, to perform a number of miracles. I don't think you're feeling it. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to perform miracles. I'm going to perform some here. I'm going to perform some in some different countries. I'm going to perform some in the midst of, of crises. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to overcome a boatload of crap and perform miracles simultaneously. That's what I think my 2019 is going to be like. You think I'm right? I think I'm right. I think I'm dead on the money here. I think I've seen it in a dream, but let's not go back to that. I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, because, I mean, that's, that's usually uh, what's called for in, in life. Now, in that context, let's think a minute. Let's do our prep work for New Year's resolutions. Uh, next Sunday is Resolution Sunday, where we really process these things. If you're at Blue Water, this is not negotiable. You will make New Year's resolutions. That's just the way it is. Everybody say, yay. yay. I'm pumped. How can you increase your faith? Okay, let's ask it a slightly different way. How can you make better use of the faith you have? I think that's a better question. And I think it begins with just doing away with unbelief. You know, how can I surrender to faith instead of compromising with doubt or disqualification or upset or grievance, anger, or whatever else? How can it just be, I'm just going to surrender to faith on this one? It's not the size of your faith. It's whether or not your faith gets crowded out by other things. I think, I think you know, that's the game. Choose faith and just faith. 
and nothing, nothing but faith, and that's, that's purity of heart. That's what that is. Faith and, and only faith, faith with no buts. You can do whatever you need to do. You can make whatever change in your life that you need to make. Now, guard yourself, right? Don't think that you're a superman or a superwoman because nobody's perfect. Guard yourself, think it through, give yourself the best support, think about the routines that you need to have to support the changes that you need to make, choose the best methods, don't be lazy, don't be stupid, every mission needs a method, every method needs a mindset, you gotta put it together, you have to engage your life and you have to build a pathway to purpose, you don't get to snap your fingers, believe and just have it all magically happen. Guard yourself, take care of yourself, but do not doubt yourself. Do not doubt for a moment that you can pull off whatever it is that you need to pull off. Just don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. That's the mistake that we often make. That's it. Increases in faith are wonderful, uh, but how about we just pray for a, for a decrease of unbelief, for a decrease of anti-faith this year. You don't have to be a giant of faith. You just have to not tangle your feet uh, with unbelief. I, I have this powerful, powerful phrase that I learned to use when I was in my 20s. Uh, and it's the phrase that has allowed me to try things my whole life, even things that technically speaking were impossible. And when you try impossible things, you get great stories even if you fail. Uh, oftentimes, uh, I have succeeded, and those turn out to be really great stories. Here's the phrase. It's a power phrase. Are you ready? You want to write this down. You might want to take a voice memo. This is it. And this is money, baby. This is money. Here's the phrase. I don't see why not. I don't see why not. So just turn to the person next to you and be like, yeah, I don't see why not. Let's, let's just do it one more time with gusto and commitment. Go. Yeah, so it's like, like so do, it, do, it, do it to me, do it to me. I'll, I'll set you up and you'll know when to go. This year, I'm gonna overcome a boatload of crap and simultaneously perform miracles. There, there, do you see? Now, now, either you felt a huge surge of faith in the room or you felt an eradication of unbelief in the room, of anti-faith. Either, either way, uh, I think it's good. Uh, I pray that for you, this is an I don't see why not sort of year. What do you want to change about yourself? Can you do it? Yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, at the very worst, it's impossible, but, you know, so. So is, so is ordering a mulberry tree to jump off a cliff. Um, you know, so is resurrecting somebody uh, from the dead and just healing somebody. So is, you know, a bunch of fishermen changing the world. I mean, like, we've been in the tradition of impossible for a long time. You know, sometimes life is about, I see it! And sometimes life is about, I don't see why not.